podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Thursday, the 10th of December, and we are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A VPN is a virtual privacy network. It allows you to change your online location and tell the internet that you are, say, for example, in America, which will allow you to access American Netflix rather than UK Netflix. It allows you to protect your data online as well, so it keeps you safe from hackers and 'er ne'er-do-wells who lurk on the internet looking for people to scam. Check out their services at libertyshield.com and use my code EPLVPN to get 20% off your hardware or software package at checkout. I'd also like to give a quick shout-out to House of Hopcroft, which is a new enterprise by a friend of mine called Greg Hopcroft, who's one of the uh, the people behind EPL Index and Anfield Index Pro. Uh, really good show, a really good shop that him and his wife have, have opened in their hometown they have an online presence you can order gifts christmas type stuff wall hangings pillows cushions houseware stuff homeware stuff uh, at really good prices they they ship worldwide i ordered stuff over the weekend it arrived already from scotland to ireland so really quick service really quick turnaround and uh, like i said really good stuff on, on their uh, on their site so do check it out it's house of hopcroft H-O-P-C-R-O-F-T, House of Hopcroft. Um, it is the 10th of December. We're motoring right along towards Christmas. And it's Thursday, more importantly, so that makes it Twitter Thursday. So, as usual, I put up the tweet this morning. Good morning, boys and girls. It is Twitter Thursday. Send me questions, please, and thank you. And uh, we have a bunch of them by the looks of things. So, let's have a quick look and uh, go through these. We're going to start, first of all, with one from producer Guy that he's given me just before we've come on air. Uh, if Arsenal did move on from Mikel Arteta, who would you go for? Uh, Guy has told me I better pick Rafa Benitez. He would be one for consideration for sure. Just depends on his contract situation with the uh, the Chinese club that he's currently manager of. But I imagine he can get out of it fairly fairly easily that he'll have a buyout. So Rafa would definitely be one. Rafa will make you better. I don't know that Rafa's still the manager who'll get you top four and potentially win you things, but he's still a very, very good manager. I, I wonder if he's a little bit more suited to managing a lower-end team and keeping them safe and bringing them from the bottom into mid-table rather than bringing someone from mid-table into the top four. I think the obvious one is Max Allegri, who is available, having left Juventus 18 months ago now. He was strongly linked to the Arsenal job a couple of times. When they hired Unai Emery, he was heavily considered. Uh, when they hired Arteta, again, he was one of those in the mix. There were questions over whether his inability to speak English would hamper him. But, I mean, we've seen managers come to England without much English, like Pochettino, use a translator and do very, very well. Um, I think Allegri, a proven winner, is someone that is a draw for players. I think he plays a good brand of football. 
And I think he's got the right mentality for a big club like Arsenal. I mean, I, I like Arteta. I really do like Arteta. Um, but it would be no surprise if Arsenal did. But it, you know, it's, to me, it would be a surprise given how, how far they went to get him and how long they waited for him having wanted to appoint him when they appointed Unai Emery. Um, the fact that he did sell them on his vision for the club and they bought into that. So for me, it would be a surprise. But given that they're Arsenal, given that they're one of the biggest clubs in the country, yeah, they might look at their situation and go, you know what, we've made a mistake here. We shouldn't have appointed a rookie manager. We're going to move on. And Allegri, like I say, is a proven winner. Won a, a Serie A title with Milan. Won five of them with uh, Juventus. Also won a Serie C title with Sassuolo back in the day. A um, couple of domestic cups. Two Champions League finals. He has been there and done it. He's just a very good manager. He's available. If they were to move on, I think he would probably be the one they'd go for. Um, next up then, we have uh, Connor Sheehan. Would Pochettino be as ideal for United as they think he would be? Seem to remember him taking pelters from Southampton fans for his use of club captain Lalana and then the disrespect shown by the Spurs squad after all he did for them. I think he has a ceiling and it's not as a title winner. I'm inclined to agree, especially in the Premier League. I think there's too much competition and I'm not sure when you look at Poch versus Klopp, Poch versus Pep, Poch versus Jose, I don't think he comes out on top of any of those battles. Um, United need an awful lot of work. You're rebuilding from the ground up. And as I said uh, yesterday, I don't know that changing the manager changes anything at the club. I think you've got to appoint that director of football, allow him to conduct the search and make the choice. You've also got to rebuild the scouting network, invest in the analytics department, and you have to get rid of Paul Pogba. Before a new manager comes in, you have to get rid of Paul Pogba because he's nothing more than a distraction. And United fans seem to be convinced that he's a world-class player that every club is going to want to buy, but I don't think that's the case at all. Um, ran a couple of quick polls on, on Twitter using the EPL Index account yesterday. First question was, uh, United paid $89 million for Paul Pogba. Has he been A, a success, B, a flop, or C, somewhere in between? Only 2.4% of the vote said a success. 63.1% said a flop. And 36 point, sorry, 34.6% said somewhere in between. I asked, would you want Paul Pogba at your club? 73.2% said no. Did Mino Oriola's comments help or hurt United's chance of selling Pogba for a good price? 78.2% said, uh, said hurt. I'd be curious to hear from the rest as to why they thought it helped them. Uh, what kind of fee can United sell Pogba for in January? Overwhelmingly, 64.2% people said less than 60 million. Another 29% said 60 to 80. Both of them are, are a loss for them, especially when you factor in the agent fees and the wages. Who holds the leverage in a Pogba sale, given he has 18 months left in his contract, his form since joining, 
and that he clearly wants to leave. 82.8% said the buying club, which means they won't get the offers they want. United only got 17.2% of that vote. I'd, I'd love to hear from those people as to why they think he, they have any leverage. Uh, should United sell him in January, keep him until the summer, or offer him a new contract? 58.1% said sell him in January. Um, I, I'd love to hear the logic behind the 10.8% who said offer him a new contract. And 31% said uh, keep him until the summer. And I asked, is Paul Pogba a world-class player, a world-class talent, or neither? 8.5% said a world-class player. I'm not sure what they base it on. 46.3 said a world-class talent, which is what I think he is. And 45.2 said he's neither. And that's absolutely fair. He hasn't proven anything in the last five years. So he is just a distraction. He is not going to turn things around at Manchester United. And before you appoint a manager, I think you have to sell him. Because... He was a massive issue for Mourinho. And then, unfortunately for Oli, Oli just inherited that issue and has struggled to deal with it ever since. And, you know, we've seen it this season. He's dropped him a bunch of times. And United are actually better without him in the team. Um, I've gone away from the, from the question. Is Poch as ideal? No, he's not. Um, A big part of it is that there's just no structure in place. And I think he's the type that needs a really strong structure around him. At United, he or at Spurs, rather, he had Daniel Levy. Daniel Levy is an incredible negotiator. Spurs also have had really strong analytics department there, really strong scouting network, and that helped him massively when it came to player recruitment. Poch is very good at, at building a team, but at Spurs, there's not the pressure that there is at United. If you take over the job of Manchester United manager and you are manager for, say, three years and you haven't won a Premier League or a Champions League, you are a failure in the eyes of that club because that is the level that club operates on. Harsh or not, it's always how I've judged Liverpool managers. If you, if you leave the club and you haven't won a Premier League or a Champions League, unfortunately, you have failed. The one... The one I would say who didn't win either but wasn't a failure was Gerard Houllier, but he won a, a European travel a European treble and put Liverpool back on the map in Europe. He's the only one, in my view, that didn't win uh, a title or a Champions League and wasn't a failure. Um and I think Poch might struggle with the pressure at United. It's intense. Like it is all day, every day. There is there's no rest at United. Mourinho aged about 73 years in his time there. Van Hal went from being a late middle-aged man to being a very old man in his time there. Look at David Moyes. The man's skin is translucent now. He looks like he hasn't seen the sun in years, and he left the club six years ago, six and a half years ago, and he's still carrying the weight of it. Like, it broke him. I don't I don't think Poch is the right guy for United. I don't really know who is. I think Allegri again would be a better choice than him. But I don't really know who the right choice is for United. It's very, very difficult. They had such incredible success under Ferguson. And that is what their fans expect. And it's not realistic, unfortunately. It's like Liverpool fans back in the 90s who expected 
league title after league title. And it, it put managers way behind the starting line as they were kicking off their time there. I also would worry about Poch's propensity for being too defensive. Um, he got a lot of criticism at Spurs for being too defensive-minded. United fans won't accept that. I don't think they didn't like it under Mourinho. So, no, I don't think he's as ideal as, as people make out. But he is a very good manager, and if they do get him, he's a better manager than Oli. Like, that just needs to be said. He is a better manager than Oli. Uh, Michael Von Herf asks, I was thinking about Ruben Neves and James Madison yesterday and how you rated them as targets for us, given how both have plateaued a bit, what managers or systems other than ours would help them move to the next level. This is interesting because... Neves is, I would say, the best passer of a ball in the Premier League. But I do agree, he has just kind of hit a little plateau in his career. Um, and he's not always in the starting eleven. Nuno has left him out a number of times. Looking around, I assume we're talking Premier League. I think he'd be incredible under Pep. I actually think Arteta would do, would do a lot of good with him. You could look outside of the, the obvious ones. Like, Graham Potter would do great things with him. Graham Potter would build the team around him and just let him run the show. As for Madison, I mean, it's an interesting one because he arrives from Norwich to Leicester and just takes to the Premier League as if it's nothing. As if it's the easiest thing in the world to step up from the Championship into the Premier League. And when you look at, you know, his first season and a half at Leicester, he was brilliant. He got injured at the second half of last season. And he hasn't looked the same since coming back. Now, some of that is just rustiness. But at the same time, like, he was clearly ahead of Jack Grealish. And now he's, you know, basically in line with Jack Grealish. Or Jack Grealish may even have, have surpassed him. Grealish is having a great start to the season, but we need to see him sustain this. Madison has at least sustained a high level over a prolonged period of time. Grealish has yet to do that. Um, I think Carlo would, would get great things out of, out of him. Carlo would actually be another great choice for Ruben Neves. If you put Neves at the base of that midfield and let Alan play as the kind of box-to-box player, if you went to a diamond with, a, say, Alan and Decoure, Neves as the base, and James Rodriguez as the 10. I think that would work very well. Um, I think he'd work, I think Madison would work well there as well, not in the same shape, but we know that Carlo loves a diamond. Outside of them, Bielsa would get great things out of Madison. Bielsa would love to have Madison. Play him in that, in one of those two central midfield roles with, with Phillips behind. And the two wide players and the one up top, I think Bielsa would really, really take Madison to a new level. When we see what he did with uh, Hernandez, I think Madison could play that same role and play it even better. He's an incredible passer of the ball, um, very good shooter. I'll go Bielsa actually for, um, for Madison and I'll go Carlo and Everton with that diamond that Carlo made famous. Uh, for for uh, Ruben Neves. Uh, Dave O'Donovan 
replace the current Liverpool eleven when all are fit with an eleven of your choosing from the Premier League. You can use a maximum of two players from any side. Obviously, Jurgen would be the manager, so your choices choices should fit into his system of play. Uh, let me come back to that. That's going to take a bit of thought. Um, Harry, so it's Harry Fuller, KS. Without saying the name Mbappe, who do you think could be a potential Ballon d'Or winner in, say, three to five years? And who do you see the future of the Ballon d'Or? Any ch- or how do you see the future of the Ballon d'Or? Any changes you would make? To me, the Ballon d'Or is too much of a popularity con- uh, competition. I-, I don't think it's always won by the best player. I think, ideally, you would pick a panel of experts not make them known to the general public so they wouldn't feel any any real pressure and there wouldn't be this petitioning that we get from you know certain players and their media teams and their clubs if you were to pick you could pick a large number i mean you could pick 25 25 experts um from differing areas in football be they ex-managers journalists pundits, whatever. Um, and I think that would be the best way to do it and, and have those votes take place behind closed doors where no one knows who's voted for who. And I think you'd get a fairer competition. As for who do I think can win the Ballon d'Or within the next three to five years, the two names I would give are Erling Haaland and Joe Felix, both of whom I think are incredibly special. Uh, Cameron Vela asks... If you could add one attribute to a player in each team starting eleven to best help improve, which player would you choose and what attribute would you take would take that player to the next level? Tough this when watching Origi, if only he had an ounce of anticipation. So one player from each team to improve. For Arsenal, I'd go Danny Ceballos. Um more bravery on the ball, more creativity, because I think that's the big loss at Arsenal, is a lack of creativity. I think if you added that to, to him, and he, he is the most likely one to do that uh, from their, their current crop of senior players, I do think it could unlock what should be one of the most potent attacks in the league. I mean, individually, those players are brilliant. But the transition of getting the ball from central areas into them is a big flaw um aston villa i'll go tyron mings i think more aggression i think if he was more aggressive and more dominant uh maybe a little bit more concentration concentration might be the better one for him but if if tyron mings could could play like people think he plays villa would take a massive leap forward defensively massive for Brighton, I'll go Danny Welbeck and the ability to score goals. If Danny Welbeck could score goals, uh, Brighton would be much higher up the table. Burnley. James Rodriguez, take everything in his game and just add a touch more creativity. And I think that would really unlock a lot more for Burnley because they have McNeil, they have Goodmanson. They have Chris Wood. If Rodriguez was more of a number 10 type, 
who could play off the striker than a wide player who plays off the striker. I think it could create a lot more chances for them, and I think they'd be better off. Uh, Chelsea, uh, Kurt Zuma and concentration. Physically, he's phenomenal, um, and he's a powerful, aggressive defender. But he lacks concentration. He, he wanders out of position regularly. Uh, for Crystal Palace, Christian Benteke and the ability to score score goals. Again, the physicality is there. His hold-up play is good. Powerful in the air. But in front of goal, he falls apart more often than not. Eight goals in the last three and a bit seasons. Two of them came in his last game, so six in the, in the three seasons before that. Um, if he played like Villa-era Benteke, but a more ruthless finisher with Zaha and Easy, Palace would, would be really, really dangerous. Um, Everton. Abdoulaye Dekoure and the ability to play the way he does when the television cameras are on when they're turned off. Because Dekoure, when when he's on TV, he looks like Patrick Vieira. And when he's not on ta- TV, he looks like Salif Jow. Um, I think if he could play consistently at a high level, start to finish through a season, Everton would be very, very, very good. Very, very good. And he would be probably in the French setup. Um, Fulham. Hmm. Mitrovic and the art of taking penalties. No, I, I'll go with um, I'll go with Harrison Reed and more creative passing because I really like Harrison Reed and I do think the pairing of him and Zambo and Gisa works very well. But if he could be more of that deep lying playmaker who still had all his current attributes, I think it could unlock things really well for Fulham. I think one area they struggle with is is progressing the ball with passing through the midfield. They tend to rely a lot on Zambo to carry the ball. And while it works, it's a lot of pressure to put on one player, and it does make them quite easy to uh, to read. For Leeds, uh, Rodrigo, and again, better finishing. I really like his all-round game, but he's not a huge goal threat. And... Yes, Bamford has had a really good start to the season and has scored a lot of goals. But I think if they had that second real goal scorer in the team, uh, I think that would take them to another level. They'll get all their creativity from the likes of Rafinha and Harrison if if Rodrigo could add better finishing to his game, a more ruthless uh, streak. I think that would improve them hugely. Uh, Leicester City... Leicester's a tough one. Can I say Jamie Vardy and five years younger? Um, If not, if Tim Castanier was actually left-footed, if he was actually left-footed, if that counts, I'll take that because he's going to be their left-back when everybody's fit. I think Brendan will stick to a back four with Evans and Sionchu and eventually Fafana and Sionchu. And I think if if Castanier was left-footed and was the player he is, I'd really like that. I think that would be really, really strong. Then you go Ndidi, uh, under Tielemans, Madison and Barnes across the midfield, and Vardy up front. 
I think that would be a hell of a team. If if he was left-footed, I'd feel so much better about it, though. I, there's no balance. There's not one left-footer in the team. If he was left-footed, I think it would add real balance. And give them proper width on that left-hand side. It's, it's the big loss from losing Chilwell, as he did hold that width really, really well. Um, for Liverpool, Naby Keita and durability. If Naby Keita had Ginny Wijnaldum's ability to never, ever get hurt, I, I think he'd be one of the best players in the country. And I think he would take that Liverpool team to another level, as good and all as they are. I still think he's really special. And if he could stay fit regularly, I think he'd be different class. Uh, Manchester City, if Benjamin Mendy could defend, they, they'd be a lot better off. That hole that they've had at left back for a couple of years now, it's also obviously down to his fitness. He hasn't been able to stay fit because of different injuries, but he does have massive lapses defensively. He doesn't read the game particularly well. He doesn't sweep across behind the centre-backs, which is a concern. But, I mean, Walker is solid. I like, really like Ruben Diaz. America reports one of the two or three best centre-backs in the league. And I think if Mendy was, was even Kyle Walker, if Mendy was even Walker's level, that would lift them to another, another trajectory. Um, Manchester United. If Lindelof had pace, I think it would improve them greatly. Their biggest issue is how slow the two centre-backs are on the turn. I think if Lindelof was was quicker, if he was Joe Gomez kind of quick, uh, I, I think that would really help them. It would really help Maguire, who is maybe the slowest centre-back in the league. Um, and I think it could improve them. It would allow them to play Alex Tellez more because they wouldn't need to rely on Luke Shaw to sit in next to uh, to Maguire. They could be more expansive. Um, Newcastle. If Almiron was consistent, he'd be a great player. He's so talented, and you see flashes of it now and then, but he just no consistency in his game. So I'll go with him and consistency. Uh, Sheffield United, if Ollie McBurney could score goals, they'd be so much better off because, again, physically, he's really good. He's got great hold-up play, links play really well, works really hard. I think if he was a lot better in front of goal, they'd be, well, they wouldn't be sitting on one point from 33. Southampton, if Vestergaard had pace and wasn't a house basically playing centre-back, uh, I think it would it would allow them to play the higher line that Ralph wants to play, which would enable them to press more, compress space a lot more, contain teams where they want to contain them and then take the ball off them and score goals. So that would be the one there. Um, if Eric Dyer, if Tottenham, if Eric Dyer wasn't Mourinho's son and they had a good centre-back there, they'd be a lot better off. Or if Eric Dyer was just a good centre-back. Uh, he's okay, but he's slow. He's not good in the turn. He struggles when forced to defend facing his own goal. He's not good 1v1. Uh, yeah, so if Mourinho wasn't his dad, I, I don't think he'd be in the team. I think they'd be better off. Uh, West Brom, if any of the defenders could defend, pick one. Pick any of them. Or if Branislav Ivanovic was 15 years younger, but we obviously can't do that. If, if, if any of the other defenders could defend, they'd be just better off. Or if, if the goalkeeper hadn't developed smoke hands. Um, West Ham 
West Ham is an interesting one. If if it if Sebastian Haller was more ruthless in front of goal, or if Mikel Antonio, no, I'll go with Antonio. If Antonio was more durable, if Mikel Antonio was more durable and could be relied on to play every single week, then they would be a lot better off because he is so important to how they play. He's such a threat, such a unique player. That's what I'll go with. Uh, and Wolves, if Willy Bolly played like the defender people think he is because he looks a certain way, because he has the look of a good defender. Willy Bolly is the type of person that people see once and think, oh, he's a good defender. But when you watch him regularly, you see he makes a lot of mistakes. If he was, if he was consistently that guy who could put in a really good showing, so Willie Bolly and I suppose consistency and focus, uh, that's what I'd go with for Wolves. So that's all twenty. Um, thanks for that, Cameron. Um, I hope I hope they're they're all right answers. Um, Nayan Mohapatra. I'm sorry, mate. I've probably butchered your name. Uh, most ex LFC players I feel speak absolute garbage. Uh, I'm referencing John Aldridge saying we should buy Cody. What is the most garbage take you've heard from an ex-Liverpool player? Uh, who are the ones we should listen to? Uh, I, I still think Sunes is, is the best one that's still in the media sphere. Uh, Jan Molby's great. He talks a lot of sense. Uh, but Jan does, doesn't do kind of UK TV. Uh, he is on Anfield Index Pro, though, so do check him out there with Trev Downey. Uh, Molby on the spot every week. Um, Hansen was brilliant. Like Hansen just had a really good view of the game, really balanced opinions. But obviously, he he's retired from doing that. The worst take is is Jamie Carragher saying that Joe Hart was the goalkeeper we should buy to take us to the next level uh, before we bought Alison Becker. Just an absolute shocker of a take. An absolute shocker of a take. Um. Emmett, a.k.a. Emmett, are the days of Barca and Real Madrid being the destination clubs over, or will big players always push for those moves? I think they'll always push for those moves. I genuinely do. I think, especially for for kids who grew up in South America, there's a mystique about Real and Barca. There's there's a lore to them. Um and and they are the super clubs. I mean, it's them, it's United, it's Bayern Munich. They're the four super clubs that kind of stand above everybody else from a football and business point of view, from a, like a purely size capacity and how much of a reach they have around the world. They're the four. And I think it'll always be the case that, that Real and Barca are massive draws. And I think if you're... A Spanish or Portuguese player, you'll always be linked to them because of the the great players they've had. The same with the South Americans. You know, you look at, at Cristiano, and he wanted to play for Real Madrid because of Figo. Um, he grew up watching Figo and, and had wanted to play in that white kit, even when he was at United. And United were like the best team in Europe at the time, and he still wanted to go. So, um, yeah, I think they'll always be destination clubs. Uh, Lance Walsh, uh, with outgoing issues surrounding VAR, who do you think, I'd say, do you think it would be possible the FA slash EPL would bow to club pressure if they all demand that it be removed? I don't know that it's their choice. 
I feel like it's a UEFA directive that it has to be in place. I think I, I think the Premier League would happily get rid of it. Um, because it is spoiling the product. There's no question it is spoiling the product. I think it's a UEFA thing, though, that mandates that it has to be in place. I could be wrong on that, though. So if I am wrong, please do let me know. But I do think it comes from them. Um, Nick Turner asks, Zambo Ngisa looks too good for Fulham. Could you see him fitting into a top four team? Could he be a, a potential Ginny Wijnaldum replacement for Liverpool? Yes, I absolutely think he could be a a replacement for Ginny Wijnaldum. I think he's I think he's really really good. Uh, I've said before. I think um, I think United could do with him as their holding midfielder. I think Arsenal, I think him and Thomas Partey in midfield as a as a double pivot would work really well together. Similar types of players, but I think they'd complement each other well. One can sit while the other one goes. Angisa, more of a, a ball carrier. Thomas Partey is a good ball carrier, but he's a really good passer of the ball. I think that could work really well. Uh, I've seen some people suggest Spurs and you know him and him and Heusberg as a midfield pair. Absolutely. I definitely think he can play for a top four club, and I would definitely have him on my list of players to replace Ginny Wijnaldum. Uh, Travis Bickle, Travis Bickelsler Zavala. If say Sancho and Sancho and Mbappe weren't doable, and Mane or Salah left, who would you go for? Uh, Joe Felix, no question. Joe Felix, definitely. If if you're looking for a wide forward who can play in our system, who will bring goals, creativity, work rate. Joe Felix, without question. I, I may even lean towards him over Sancho. Mbappe is a different kettle of fish. I mean, he's, he's, you know, one of one, but, and I love Sancho. I really do love watching Jaden Sancho play, but I think, I think I would go for Joe Felix over him if given a straight choice between the two. Uh, next up then is Juan Carlos. Who asked, is this the year Juve and Bayern give someone else a chance to win their respective leagues? Potentially in Syria. Potentially in Syria. I mean, Juve haven't had their typical good start to the season, but we've seen them in a couple of other years. They haven't started particularly brilliantly and they've just come on really strong in the second half of the season. They do definitely have the best squad, and when they have everybody fit, you would fancy them to put a run of, run of good games together. They haven't lost yet, but they have dropped points on five occasions. Five wins and five draws from ten games. They're six points off Milan. You've got a really strong Milan this year, really strong Inter. I know they went out of the Champions League, but I actually think that helps them. I think Conte, with no European football to to worry about, I think Inter, if I was if I was a betting man, I think I'd back Inter right now. Even though they're five points behind Milan, I still think over the run of the season, they will get better and better. They've got Lukaku and Lutaro Martinez up front. They've got a really good back three. Handanovic is still a hell of a goalkeeper. They've got loads of bodies in midfield. I think I'd back Inter to win Serie A right now. I'd have a harder time betting against Bayern because I don't really trust Leverkusen to maintain... And Leipzig have just shown a little propensity. When the biggest moments come, they can shrink a little bit. I think that's a Nagelsmann problem, though. I do think that's a Nagelsmann thing. It's the one knock on him is that in in the biggest games, he has 
tended to have worrying struggles. Uh, but I, I definitely think Juve are at, at risk of, of losing their title this year. Um, had a question here from Ollie Emerson. Um, asks... If Gerard wins the league with Rangers, who do you think would be a good fit for him to take take over at in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, for me, Gerard Gerard would learn more at pretty much any Premier League club than he will at Rangers because the standard of football at Rangers is just it's it's so poor. The Scottish Premier League is just so poor. It's Rangers and Celtic, then a massive, massive, massive gulf to everybody else. And Celtic have not been good this year. This is the third year he's been there. It's the first year they've been impressive under him. If he wins the title, I think he needs to leave and look for a Premier League job. As for who, Newcastle would be an interesting one because there will be pressure there. There won't be enormous expectation to become a top four team, but it's, it is a big club with a big fan base. That, that crave success. They don't demand it, but they do crave it. I think Newcastle would be a really interesting one. And also, get to work under a questionable owner, which I think could teach him quite a lot. Outside of them, Wolves could be an interesting one, purely from the, the talent that they have there. But, I mean, he'd be better off at Burnley or Fulham or anyone than he is at Rangers in terms of his development as a manager. Uh, it's why I think Lampard is ahead of him right now. Because he started off at Derby, and I think the the standard of football in the Championship is much higher than it is in the SPL. And I know people make the argument that nobody's doing well in Europe, but it's it's kind of irrelevant. It's the day to day that he needs to learn, and it's the day to day pressure of always having a big game coming on the Saturday. Not well, we're going to win Saturday regardless, so I can rest everybody, and then we'll focus in on. Uh, on the European side. I mean, the Rangers don't have to try to win Premier League games up there. The, the league is just, with the greatest respect, the league is trash. Absolute trash. So, yeah, he'd just be better off at any uh, Premier League club. Um, did have another one here. Oh, yeah, Tom Beale asks, international question, I'm afraid. There's a lot of promising... English talent coming through at the minute. Who do you predict predict to be in England starting eleven for the next World Cup? So that's twenty twenty two. Um, I think I hope by, that by then the goalkeeper situation has worked out with where the the fourth best English goalkeeper isn't the starting goalkeeper. But um, yeah. So I'm going to say Nick Pope as the goalkeeper. I think Trent Alexander Arnold and. Ben Chilwell are pretty much nailed on to be the starting fullbacks. I don't see any way that changes. Um, centre back is an issue. There's, there's just Joe Gomez was was the one that could make it work because Maguire is going to start. You have to imagine, and Gomez's pace could cover for him. Ezri Kons is the is the English centre back I like the most. I think there's a reason when you look up and down. The, the Premier League clubs, most of the top ones don't start English centre-backs because there isn't a particularly good crop of them at the moment. Um, I, I would say Ezri Konza and Maguire as the centre-back pairing. In midfield, I think it's fourth. I'm going to suggest a 4-3-3. Three, three. 
I think by 2022, Jude Bellingham will make himself very hard not to pick. I would say Cal- Calvin Phillips, Calvin Phillips rather, should should be in the midfield for sure. I think he's a better player than Declan Rice at this point. Better on the ball, better in the tackle. Positionally, Rice is very, very good, but I do think Phillips is a better player. Um, and the third one, then, it just depends what you want. If you want experience and energy um, and someone else that can put their foot in the ball, Jordan Henderson, perhaps, but I'd love to see it be Phil Foden. I'd really love to see Bellingham, Phillips and Foden as a midfield three. I think you get a lovely balance of everything. Holding player in Phillips who can dictate play. Box-to-box player in Bellingham who can do a bit of everything. And then that attacking player in Foden who's not shy of hard work. Uh, and up front, Sterling, Kane and Sancho. So that that would be my 11. And I, and I don't like the Harry Maguire pick. I really wouldn't want him in my team in any circumstance. But when you look up and down at, at English defenders, I mean, Ben White would be the one I would go for because I, I like his style of play. He's not necessarily all that comfortable defending. He he, he much prefers to play on the ball. Um, but I think his upside is, is far higher. You, you could The other option would be to move Declan Rice into centre-back, which may well be where he plays by, by then. If he goes to Chelsea... I think it starts the path of him moving to centre-back. So maybe you go Ben White and Declan Rice as your centre-back pairing. Uh, though I would still prefer Konza to both, but that's just my own personal view. But I do think it'll be Maguire and probably Henderson in midfield rather than Foden. And probably Rice rather than Phillips. Um, Dave O'Donovan, I will get to your question in one sec, I promise. There is one... Uh, it's it's someone looking to start trouble, of course. Um, oh, Tom on the cop. Before we do that, Tom on the cop. Where does Fabinho rank him on the best best centre backs in in the Premier League? Uh, top three, I think he's top three, top five at worst, but I think he's top three. Um, where is this one? Oh yeah, Gary M. Gary's looking for me to get some abuse from Liverpool fans here. Is there a virus affecting some Liverpool podcasters and the entire British football media that causes them to look at Jordan Henderson and actually see JFK cross to the peak, Graeme Souness? Yes. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. The single most overrated player in the league right now is Jordan Henderson. Um, And a prime example is the game against Wolves the weekend. He had a good game. He was 7 out of 10. There were two midfielders next to him that were every bit as good, if not better. The two lads at centre-back played better. Um, and you could argue that a couple of others did as well. But all the hype, all the fawning goes to him. I, I just have never seen a player get so much hype. He was at, at the sixth or seventh best player in the Liverpool team last year. And yet he was voted for player of the year. Um, the club are, are largely behind it. The club have pushed a massive media narrative. But, you know, propaganda is propaganda. Um, yeah, that's, there is. There's, it's some sort of weird, weird virus that's running side by side with COVID, um, and inflicting the minds of people. Thanks, Gary. Uh, I'm going to, if you want to give me abuse for that, please do direct it to, uh, it's at Gary M L F C 1980. Please do direct all abuse towards him. Right. 
back to Mr. Dave O'Donovan's question. Replace the current Liverpool first 11 when all are fit with 11 of your choosing who currently play in the Premier League. You can ma- use a maximum of two players from any side. Obviously, Jurgen will still be the manager, so your choices should fit into his system of play. So we're going to stick with the with the four three three that's that's currently in place. Um, the the high tempo pressing style of play and try and work this out. Um, goalkeeper is difficult because there isn't really another that plays like Alison Becker has his physical side, his shot stopping ability, and his ability. With his feet, the closest with the feet obviously would be Ederson, but I'm I'm not a fan. I I wouldn't want him in my team. Um, I think we'll go Emmy Martinez of Aston Villa. Physically very similar stature, very good shot stopper, good on crosses, and he's decent with his feet. He's not as good as Allison. I don't think anyone bar Ter Stegen is, but I'll go Emmy Martinez. Uh, right back to me is an easy enough one. I go Reese James uh, of Chelsea. I think he's um, similarly minded to Trent in terms of the attacking side of his game. I think he can be the guy you run a lot of your attacking play through. Uh, left back, you're looking for an outlet. You're looking for non-stop running. You're looking for aggression. I think Luca Dina is probably the choice there. Um, I think after... After Robertson, him and Ben Chilwell are probably the two left best left backs in the league. I think the way Dina started this season, he has taken control of of that um, that position. So I would go, uh, yeah, look at Dina. Centre back is the hardest one because there's nobody like Van Dyke. There's nobody even close to Van Dyke. So if you'll allow me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to base this on the current Liverpool eleven, which doesn't include Virgil van Dijk and also doesn't include Joe Gomez uh, because they're both ruled out. The current centre-backs are Joel Matip and Fabinho. So you've got an aggressive front-foot type in Fabinho who also reads the game very, very well. And then you've got sort of a sweeper type in... Joel Matip. I'm going to have to invert the positions to, to go with the two I think I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Americ Laporte as my Matip type, uh, but obviously he plays on the, he's left-footed, so he's going to play on the left-hand side. And the comparison's not great here, but Fabinho's such a unique player. So I'm just going to pick the guy I think is the third. I, for me, Virgil's the best centre-back in the league. Laporte is second. I'm going to pick the guy I think is third as my other centre-back is Kaglar Sionchu. Um, I know he's currently out injured as well. Don't worry. But he's only out short term. He'll be back soon enough. Um, I'm going to go with Kagler Sionchu. So um, I've got Martinez, James, Sionchu, Laporta, and Dina. In midfield then, so I'm, I'm basing this on Curtis Jones, uh, Jordan Henderson, and Ginny Wijnaldum, which is the current midfield. Uh, I'm not including Thiago because there isn't another Thiago out there, not in the Premier League anyway. You could you could argue De Bruyne, so maybe you could pick him uh, if, if you wanted to do this yourself. But um, for Curtis Jones, I'm going to pick Yuri Thielemans as an all-round midfielder with real attacking quality, uh, a love of shooting from range, good passing, a hard worker. Um, I'm going to pick Yuri Thielemans for Curtis Jones. 
For Jordan Henderson, I'm going to go with Heisberg from Spurs. Um, similar type of player. Does a lot of the dirty work. Uh, I think Heisberg is probably better defensively. Henderson's more involved on the ball, but Heisberg is developing that side of his game this season. Uh, he was quite good at that last year, but it, it's it's coming on. He is five years younger than Henderson. So, you know, he still has a lot of room to grow when we see see his trajectory. Um, and for, for Ginny Wilde, I'm going to go with Zambo Nguisa. I'm going to go with Zambo. I think he is he's the one I'd pick there. So I do have two from Leicester, but um, I'm, I'm allowed to have two from from clubs. So I'll, I'll go with Tielemans, Heusberg, and Zambo. Um, right, up front is, is, is tough. Uh, I'm going to need a second player from Spurs. I'm going to need Youngman Son, who's the only player I can think of who shares similar th- traits to Bobby. Different type of player, but as that false nine, number nine type who drops off, links play, creates chances for others, works like an absolute machine, I think Youngman Son is, is, is one. I think he'd be perfect under Jurgen Klopp, frankly. I, I've always loved him as a player. Right back to his Hamburg days through Leverkusen. I was gutted when Liverpool didn't buy him because Brendan Rodgers felt he knew better than Michael Edwards. And as we found out very quickly, he did not. Um, the wide forwards are tough because Salah and Mane are so unique. But I'm gonna just I'm gonna put them in some in boxes of goal scorer and goal scorer slash winger slash works really hard for his team. The goal scorer I'm going to go with is Aubameyang. Because after Salah, I don't think there's a better goal scorer as a wide forward in the league than Aubameyang. I know he's having a stinker of a season. I'm fully fully aware of that. Son would be the other one, but I've obviously already picked him. But I am going to pick Aubameyang, because I, I, I do love Aubameyang. I think he's a great player. Um... He doesn't. He he's he's more the Salah though than than the the Mane. But the Salah, oh the, sorry, the Mane is is really tough, and I've, I've I'm kind of just going to throw Marcus Rashford in there. Um, I, I just really like him as a player. I I just really think he's a very very good young player. He's not the Mbappe level of talent that he was made out to be. Um, I could, you know, Raheem Sterling would be another option. Um, and some might, might view him as a better option, but I am going to go with Rashford. So I've got Emmy Martinez, Reese James, Caglasionchu, Americ Laporte, Luca Dina, Yuri Tielemans, Pierre Emile Heusberg, Frank Zambo Nguisa, Marcus Rashford, Youngman's son. Or Sun Sun Hyung Min, whichever way, and um, Aubameyang, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. That is the eleven I would pick. Uh, two from Leicester, two from Spurs, one from each of Villa, Chelsea, Everton, Man City, Fulham, Manchester United, and Arsenal. And that's it. That is the eleven. That is. It's not a bad team. I don't think it's a bad team. You maybe lack a little bit of the balance that Liverpool have. I don't think it's as good a team as the Liverpool team, 
Though I do, I do quite like the look of that midfield. I have to say, I do quite like the look of that midfield. Um, yeah, that's that's the eleven. Uh, I don't know how good it is. Let me know. You'll hear this, so let me know. That is it. That is our show for today. Uh, very quickly, the football world did lose another um, another icon uh, yesterday, uh, Paolo Rossi, the um, the Italian striker who led them to the World Cup in 1982, top scorer in that tournament, who had a fascinating career that saw him start out as a machine of a goal scorer, get banned for alleged match-fixing, which he continued to deny until the end of his life, um, come back, be a World Cup hero, having been the villain um, of the piece before that, having missed the European Championship because of the suspension for match-fixing, and, um, and then have a an odd second half to his career where he wasn't the same level of player as he had been before but yeah I mean top top scorer in a World Cup led Italy to a World Cup I mean he's he's a, he's an icon in, in their country I think I think he's uh, he's one that will be sadly missed by all Italians and I just thought it was worth worth bringing up um, that's it thank you for listening thank you to Guy Drinkle thank you to Fox Hunt as always check out House of Hopcroft Check out Liberty Shield, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.